Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our Holy Gospel this day is from the first chapter of John, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all would know and might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every person who was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and through the world was made, and, and the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of our Lord. The Lord be with you. Well, a lot of you remember that, but we do this greeting, you know, because what happens is God's between us. That's the only way anything goes on. So when I say the Lord be with you and you say it back to me, we have God in between us to see where we are. So we'll try it one more time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Well, this is John's Christmas story. We have a story in Luke about the shepherds in the manger and no room in the inn. We all know that very well, probably better than ever, because more people are here on Christmas Eve than on the Sunday after Christmas. And then we have the story in Matthew about the three wise men and what they are all about. And Mark has no Christmas story. He simply starts with John the Baptist baptizing Jesus as Jesus is on his way to the cross. Mark can't get there fast enough because it's the main thing. But now here in John, we have a canvas bigger than just Bethlehem. It's a great big canvas. It stretches all the way back before time began. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there before the garden ever was created. He was part of all of that. I don't know if I've used this story, but it doesn't matter. Someone told me I can use the same story three times. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are brought forth to the soul. There was a short video made when the World's Fair was in <clears throat> Canada. The title was The Ant Keeper. Now don't get turned off because you play the role of ants in this story. They're in the garden. There is God pictured as this gray-haired old man. I love that. When you get gray hair, you're full of so much wisdom. And it's never boring, because every week you have gray hair, there's another issue you have to deal with. And there is his son, Jesus. And they have this conversation. And the conversation goes like this. God says, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, we gave those Ten Commandments to Moses, and that doesn't seem to be working out very well. We're going to have to go to Plan B. It just doesn't work to put it on two slates of stone. Maybe if we become one like them, 
we'll be able to communicate more fully what we're about. So through a series of photography, the young son leaves the father, comes down this hill through all kinds of cobwebs and everything else, and becomes an egg, a larva, who lays on a rock, and a mother ant by the name of Mary, you didn't know ants had names, did you? Comes to take care of him and give birth. Now before they left, one of the things God did to all the ants is he took them in his hands and he pulled off their wings. And then these words that I will never forget, ever, God said, with the flick of my finger, I could destroy them all. But he doesn't. He simply blows on them and there they are. Red ants, black ants, brown ants, multicolored ants, and they're not getting along too well. They're fighting. So this ant that Mary gives birth to begins to show them how to live and shows them signs of what God's kingdom is about. They warn him that if he doesn't watch it, the authorities are going to do away with him. But he keeps on fighting for justice and love and peace and grace and forgiveness. And then it happens. He's on this little wooden cross and crucified. And the next picture is an anthill with this nice wood entrance to it. And out of the anthill comes a resurrected ant with wings. And all of those who follow him grow wings of freedom and new life. The Word became a human being and lived amongst us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as Eugene Peterson says in his translation of the Message Bible, and the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's the incarnation. God has moved into us. And as Paul Tillich stretches my mind, he says, if the incarnation happened in Jesus, if the Word of God became a human being, if it happened in Jesus, then it can happen in us here and there and now and then. He didn't come with a poster or a bumper sticker and say God is love. He didn't give a lecture about it. He became love. And you have the same opportunity in your life to become God's love to others and to yourself. You have the same opportunity to take the forgiveness of sins and allow it to be incarnate in you as you forgive others and yourself. You allow the word of grace, unconditional love, unmerited forgiveness, and great, great love and acceptance into your life, and you get to share that with one another. And the more that you do that, the more that you allow those words to be incarnate, to be enfleshed, to be a part of your everyday life, the more alive you will be. He said he came in order that you might have life and have it abundantly. He came as light and truth and grace. Truth in this particular text, I think, means this, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. I understand that to be, but the truth of the matter is, if you want to know what it means to be a human being, if you want to know what it means to be created by God as his child of what it is, then you allow that word to become enfleshed in you. Well, let's take a look at where the incarnation happens in our world. That's really how the word works, you know. It comes to us and then it engages us in our life, and then we get to live it out and experience, and our life is never the same. Harper Lee was her name. She thought she had in her mind a great novel, 
a great story to write. She started mentioning that to her friends, but she didn't know how she was going to do it because she had no means of income. And she knew this would be a long process as she understood and pictured this book in her mind. So it was Christmas. Three of her friends gather around the tree with her and said, you have a year to write your book. We're going to give you gifts of money and places in order that you can take the whole year and concentrate on your book. The result of that was to kill a mockingbird. People who live the incarnation are able to see the child of God in others and are able to see the potential and the possibilities that the gifts that God gives us can happen to us. So you and I are to look at the people we encounter to see their gifts and to see how we might be able to lift them up and support the gifts they have in order that they may live more fully and in complete knowledge of what that means for us. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. He became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You should think about that. Think about your neighborhood in your life, all the places in your life where you can allow the Word to become flesh, where you can not just talk about love, where you can be love and what that means for you. I have a pastor friend of mine who over a year ago decided that he was going to take a look of pandemic spiritual autobiographies. So he gathered some people together in a study. He thought it was going to just take a few days. People came. It lasted for four months as more came and went and began to tell their story of their pain and brokenness and came to offer prayers and hopes for healing. One of those was a lady who couldn't read. She had six children, and she wondered to the group, how am I going to homeschool my children? Another lady, a grandma, in the midst of the pandemic, which drew her down as it drew all of us down, lost her son and her grandson. In desperation, she came to the group to tell the story. A lady who was divorced had to face her chemotherapy for her cancer treatment all by herself. And the list goes on. My pastor friend said to me, the one amazing thing that all of them had in common is they had hope. They had hope as they shared the story. They had hope because God gave them other people into their lives. They had hope because in the silence of their lives, they could converse with God. And they had hope because they had this group of people around them who could share their brokenness. And I thought as I listened to the story of Isaiah 55, which says, they came with singing into the brokenness of their life because they knew God came to comfort them. How else do we make it unless we know that God comforts us? There's an Episcopalian church in San Diego, California, just down the road from us. There is a Sudanese lady who is an American citizen who's now in college. 
She works for this Episcopalian church in their outreach program. One day, a cable came from her homeland to her address to her at the church, stating that her father had passed away. The pastor says, give me the cable. I want to visit with her when she comes. So she came in. They sat together. And she says, tell me a little bit about your family. And that's about the last word the pastor said. I want to tell you about my father who died. He was a farmer and an irrigation engineer, and he loved us. He put love into his life so we couldn't help but see it. He never missed a meal, and we sat together and thank God for everything that we had on a daily basis. He was always there for us. When we did something wrong, he didn't holler and cuss and swear and put us down. He simply sat by us and held our hand and looked into our eyes and said, what are we gonna learn from this mistake? And how can we do it better? There was never a moment in my relationship with my father, she said, that I didn't know that he loved me unconditionally. Well, when you look at his life outside of the family, his best friend got tuberculosis. His best friend's wife left him because she didn't want to get the disease herself, but not her dad. Her dad went and take care of his best friend, bathed him and clothed him, and with him was till he died. And the amazing thing of the story is, her father couldn't read. He learned about God and Jesus from the elders in their community when they would gather together and tell stories. And he would tell the stories to us family. He didn't have the gift of reading the word, but he had the gift of knowing how to put the word on and wear it so that people could see it. What a memory she had. The pastor said, no wonder she was such a gracious and loving person to be with because she was loved by somebody who was the incarnation, who was the word that became flesh, who was the word of love and grace and acceptance to the daughter to see where you were. And the word became a human being and lived amongst us. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. 
William Solon Coffin, who I consider to be one of my mentors in my life, was pastor at Riverside in New York, was chaplain at Yale. He was um, one of the few no-nonsense Christians that I knew. He ended up saying that love is the mark that distinguishes what it means to be alive. Love is the mark, the gift, that distinguishes what it means to be alive. And in his words about the Incarnation, he says, you know what our greatest sin is? We don't take our faith far enough. We know the story, we can recite scripture, we come to worship, all things that are important. But the real issue is, when you let the incarnation happen within you, and you become the word of forgiveness, you become the word of love, you are there for one another. Finally, I can't do a Christmas sermon without telling you my favorite story about Christmas. It's entitled Pege, P-E-G-E, a grandma who's in the nursing home. So the family of three children And the father is the son, and the wife is the daughter, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, whatever she is. They get ready to go to the nursing home to take the gift for Christmas. And this is the conversation. They have to pick up the oldest son at the airport. He's coming home from college. He gets in the car, and the first thing he asks is, how is Peach? Well, she's failing a little bit, but she's still being able to converse. And one of the children say, and we have to go to that place today and take this gift. And we're not even sure if she ever unwraps them and uses them. And the wife says, I don't want to go in when we go. The nursing home reminds me of death and it smells there. So the son says, I think we all ought to go and pay our respects. So they go, pay their respects. It's time to leave. And the college student's son says, I'm going to walk home. I'm going to stay and be here with Peach for a while. He pulls her chair up to her. Give me your hand. And grabs his grandma's hand and begins to rub it. I remember, he said, when I didn't like cereal and I came to your house and you said, then we'll have an ice cream cone. Cream and sugar and the cone is a cereal.
I remember at Christmas time you played the piano and you sang every hymn that we knew from Christmas. And that was one of the great times of our life. And then you would tell me the stories about the Christmas you had when you were growing up in the hard times. And then I remember the times that I could come over here and things weren't going right. And you had time to listen to me. And then when I wanted to learn how to dance, I was a young child. You said, stand on my shoes and I will teach you. When he got ready to leave, he saw the tears run down his grandma's eyes as they ran down his eyes. And he knew he had Christmas. And we know that the Word became a human being and lived in this college student full of grace and love. And his life and blood moved into the neighborhood and he lived out his faith. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.